Welcome to the Composable Connection, where we dive into the world of composable commerce, exploring the technology, companies, and people working to create a more connected digital ecosystem. From API integrations to human touch points, we discuss all aspects of composable architecture and how it is changing the way we do business. I'm very excited to be your host here at the Composable Connection. My name is James Luterek, and I've been building digital commerce solutions for the last two decades. I've enjoyed seeing the landscape evolve and watching how the most innovative and important techniques have been merged into this new term, composable. I currently work at Elastic Path, the leader in composable commerce, where we supply a platform that provides key commerce APIs and creates the connections needed to compose the best of breed solution. This is episode zero of this podcast. It will be a bit of a unique format. I'm going to provide some history and context around the term composable, which will hopefully set the stage for future interviews and discussions. So to start things off, we'll go with a basic definition. Composable architecture is a way of building software systems using small, independent modules or services that can be easily combined and reconfigured to create new applications. It relies heavily on APIs, cloud computing, and best-of-breed SaaS solutions. Gartner actually coined the term composable commerce and composable architecture to define the business design and technical design, respectively. While it may feel that these came out of nowhere, this approach has been evolving and forming over the past two decades. Composable is the culmination of three areas. Programming tools and techniques, DevOps and cloud computing architecture, and finally evolving business needs. We'll start with the business needs. While I love cool technology, if the tech doesn't solve a problem or bring improvements, it'll never gain traction. It's just cheaper and efficient to leave things the same and to not make changes. So before we jump into the technology that powered these changes, it's worth highlighting why businesses have been investing in these digital transformation projects. First, smartphones and a shift towards online sales were two major drivers for headless commerce and eventually composable. In the early days of e-commerce, a website was enough to sell products and services online. However, with the dominance of mobile phones, businesses needed to quickly adapt to meet customers where they are. There was a rush of new providers offering dedicated mobile apps or dedicated mobile websites but this introduced a lot of complexity. Products, prices, promotions, and all customer data needed to be synced across the completely separate stacks. If things were out of sync, customers would deal with bugs, or at very best, it was just very jarring to get a completely new experience when they switched from their phone to their tablet to their laptop. Processes within the company had to be duplicated and customer service was forced to reference data in multiple places. These problems became even worse with the introduction of more touch points, things like social media, chatbots, voice, and even VR. As a result, businesses wanted a consistent core that they could share data with across all of these different UIs. And headless commerce came to directly solve this problem and ensure that each touch point can be created quickly and have a cohesive experience as they each connect to the same API. 
So they no longer have to sync all of this data. Instead, all of the UIs shade this, the same product data, pricing data, and any business rules that were applied. This decoupling from the core back end and the multiple front ends also made fully custom UIs much simpler and cheaper to create. Where the tight coupling of an all-in-one made theming difficult, causing every single storefront out there to look similar, with headless, affordable UIs gave the opportunity to differentiate in a crowd market. Custom UIs allow companies to highlight the uniqueness of their brand's personalities. Companies willing to invest in a better user experience have enjoyed stronger conversion rates and increased brand loyalty. The growth of online sales also put more focus on digital commerce. And with that focus came new ideas and increased requirements. Instead of having a small e-commerce group, companies grew large digital teams with multiple departments. Each department has their own wish list. These needs outpace what a single vendor can deliver. As a result, companies opt for specialized software, including content management systems, product information management, and advanced search and merch solutions. Best of breed solutions allow each department to choose the very best option for their requirements. So no more infighting and compromise. Next, we need to discuss the cloud and especially DevOps and how it changed things. When thinking of the cloud, it's easy to just say, hey, this is someone else's computer. But the cloud also changed the way we host applications. In my first e-commerce job at an agency, we built everything. We built the e-commerce software. We also configured the servers that the software would run on. We managed the operating system running on those servers. We built the servers themselves. And we had to build a server room to store all of those servers and keep them connected to the internet. Building out new capacity took a lot of time. Just deploying a new website was significant and often meant referencing notes on how things should be configured. We had only a few setups. We had a single development environment, one staging environment, and one for production because it was too costly to launch more. Now, I can launch an entirely new developer space just by branching the code on GitHub. Terraform and a CI/CD process take care of the rest. Nothing is configured manually. Everything is stored as infrastructure as code. There is no insight into what the server hardware is or even the operating system as everything is containerized. And if I go serverless, there's not even a server config. So what does this have to do with composable architecture? Composable is about independent services. These are typically created as microservices. But if each application takes hours to days to create a deployment or to update, the idea of having hundreds or thousands of microservices is impossible. It was the rise of cloud and DevOps that made microservices a viable deployment option. These microservices created a cleaner separation of code, a more focused team structure, and more dynamic hosting. Instead of one large application, there were many, many smaller ones, each one being scaled independently and distributed globally across the cloud. Without the push towards microservices, Composable would never have been possible. We'd be stuck with the same massive monolithic applications that are hard to scale and manage. This move towards microservices and adoption of tools like Kubernetes also changed how we build software. A large single application running on a single server has a clear maximum in terms of performance and throughput. 
Sure, you can buy hard, better hardware, but eventually the vertical scaling will be maxed out, at which point errors will start. Many large companies have hit that maximum and started implementing things like waiting rooms to compensate. While this hack meant the software wouldn't completely crash, it was still a terrible experience for their end users. The idea of having multiple large companies sharing a single deployment was ridiculous, so each company was forced to manage their own version of the software with their own updates, downtime, and performance and scaling issues. By contrast, with these microservices, we could scale horizontally. While not infinite, with the size of major cloud offerings today, it certainly feels infinite. So it's become possible to build a true multi-tenant SaaS. Every company could leverage the same instance, and it would scale to meet demand. This moved all of that time and money that was previously used on keeping each version running and updating and put it into R&D or cost savings, bringing down the total price. So while most e-commerce companies will never build their own solution or understand the power of microservices, by choosing Composable, they still reap the benefits. These SaaS solutions have lower costs, improved uptime, and provide a better option for any size companies as they can leverage a pay-per-use model instead of a per-instance price. They will also never have to worry about Black Friday or viral sales again. The system will just keep working. No waiting rooms, no crashes, just leveraging the horizontal scaling possible with the cloud. Finally, let's talk about programming. I've always considered myself a developer, so this is near and dear to my heart. APIs drastically changed how we write software. You may have heard about the API economy. There are now APIs to handle almost any function. Want to send an email? Before, you would host an entire email server and have to configure it. Now, just call an API. Need to look up a location? Use an API. Interested in superheroes? There's an API for that. There's even an API where you can pass in a number and get back random trivia and facts about that number. Very enjoyable for those math nerds out there. To be clear, APIs are not a new thing. SOAP was invented in 1998 and REST in 2000. And other formats existed prior to that. Websites have been able to call APIs since 1998 when Microsoft developed the XML HTTP request object, later to be known as XML HTTP, and given the fun name AJAX. If you don't know, AJAX stands for Asynchronous JavaScript and XML. Of course, XML was eventually replaced with JSON, or JavaScript Object Notation, and XML HTTP with better op options like Fetch that worked cross-browser and gave us much better... Uh, access to these APIs. But if websites have been calling APIs since the late 90s, why did it take so long for a decoupled backend and frontend to gain popularity? Programmers love creating tiered architectures and really want a clear separation between presentation and logic, so it wasn't the programmers holding it back. The fact is, Ajax was tough to build, making it take longer and cost more. Yes, the UIs were a step above the standard, but not enough to validate the increased costs. Two things change that equation. First, JavaScript is a language, along with its tooling and frameworks improved over time. The last wave of JavaScript frameworks bought SPAs, or single page applications. You might also know them as PWAs, or progressive web apps. And they make a decoupled front end powered by JavaScript and a back end powered by REST APIs the de facto standard when building websites. Second, the need for more than just a website. We already talked about mobile a bit. 
If both your mobile app and website share a set of APIs, then the total cost is less when compared to building each completely separate. The current wave of JavaScript frameworks are moving more towards transitional apps. Transitional apps borrow from both websites and SPAs, borrowing the best features of both, and adding in new options for cloud hosting, like edge computing. They do keep the use of APIs, adding in better ways to leverage them, so APIs are not going anywhere. In fact, new tooling and services have been created to help with merging APIs and low-code options for building integrations, and we're going to address both of those in a future interview. APIs have become the standard for websites, mobile apps, and many touch points required. As a result, front-end developers can now focus on building the best possible user experience utilizing these APIs as building blocks in their code. So in conclusion, composable architecture is not new. Instead, it's a great name for the combination of all of these factors. It's a great name for this new paradigm of API-first, best-of-breed commerce stacks. So whether you've been using the same legacy software for the last decade, already went through a digital transformation, or have been keeping up with these changes as they happen, I'm hoping this podcast can bring fresh ideas and maybe help clarify the composable landscape. Thankfully, this is the last time you'll hear me drone on about the past. In future episodes, we'll talk with influential companies, architects, and developers working in this space. In episode one, we'll feature Ben Coffin and Justin Barf from Algolia. So please take a moment to subscribe to the Composable Connection through Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music, or whatever service you use for podcast listening. You can see the full list of all episodes at thecomposableconnection.com. And finally, I'd like to say thank you to Elastic Path for sponsoring this podcast. If you want to learn more about building a composable commerce solution, please head over to elasticpath.com to learn more. I'll see you at episode one.